Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Well, good morning and welcome to the Sisterhood table. Yeah, you can all clap on my table for another week. It is so lovely to have you here. Hi to all the girls in the room and all the girls online. Um, We've all been sitting watching the chat this morning and there are people from Colombia and Brazil and London and all sorts of places around Europe. Actually, we think you should be asleep, but we are glad that you are joining us. You know, it is my second week in the driver's seat. My name is Cass Langton and I am the creative pastor here at Hillsong Church. And um, it is actually an honour that I get to join you. You know, last week we talked a little bit about knowing God. And I've had so many lovely comments and feedback and stories from last week. So I have been praying for you this week and trusting that as you went about your day to day, that you would have found um, God and His goodness and His grace and His love and His holiness and His forgiveness and all the characteristics and attributes that we talked about last week waiting for you. And then this morning, guys, I woke up to a text from Pastor Bobby and she sends a love and she said she's praying for all of you and she's praying for you girls in the room and hoping that we have a great day. She might be in the chat. She said she wasn't sure where she would be at in her time zone. But if you're in the chat, why don't you um, get on and say, hi, Pastor Bobby. Or you can say hi to your mum, Olive Fiber, if you want to. I saw Joel Fiber in the chat saying hi, <laughs> mum, which is really fun. You know, last week we had a great week and I had here um, Emily Dellis who shared an amazing story about her dad. And then I had um, our head of our Bible college, Angela, who is quite wonderful. And then we also had Sarah Karoya from Queensland, which was lovely. But this week, guys, I've got new friends to introduce you to, and I'm so excited. So um, as per last week, I did my fun facts. So I have some very good things to tell you about these guys, Uh Uh which I'm sure you're all scared about. But (laughs) I want to start by introducing you to the lovely Tracy Barrell who is, um, she works for Hillsong College mm-hmm. as the Higher Education Vice Principal. Oh, yes. Is that true? Wow. Yes. Okay, so so far my facts are right, guys, which means that my fun facts are also probably oh, right gosh. too. They tell me, Trace, that mm. you came to college as a backpacker. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Wow. Um, in 2001? So I was, yes, I was a backpacker in 2001. And so my big, big surprise is that a year later, I came back to college in 2002. Oh, yeah. Wow. And you connected with people in the Welcome Lounge, they tell me? This is church? also true. <laughs> Quite a funny story. My first um, weekend at Hillsong Church, which I had no plans to go to, by the way, um, I met the Dean of Students of the college. And in, in insight, secretly, I'm thinking, Oh my Lord, who'd ever go to Bible college, let alone who would work for one? So this is God's big joke, is that I now work for that same Bible college that I attended, yes. I love that. They tell me that you um, dance very well on dining tables after nine o'clock at night. Look, every now and then, um, an introvert just has to have a little moment. So uh, occasionally this may have happened. And I heard secretly that at 44, you learnt for the first time that you are allowed to eat lollies after you've cleaned your teeth. You just have to clean your teeth again. Yes, I'm also an Enneagram. 
Instagram <laughs> one. Compliance is pretty high for me. But yes, I'm, I, I've broken out a little bit recently, guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then last week I asked the girls if they would bring a photo of their life situation and tell us what life looks like for them. Okay. So do you want okay. to introduce us to All right. what yes. life looks like for Tracy Barrow? Okay, so this is a photo of uh, me and my girl gang. Uh, who came and helped me to celebrate my 50th birthday wow. in February. Um, so the plan was for my parents to be here, but COVID. And uh, so we hatched another plan. I went away with my girl gang for a few days. And uh, so um, they're wonderful. And this uh, second photo is me with my family, my mum and dad at the end of the table. This, this isn't the last time I went home. We obviously didn't get a family photo that time, <laughs> home to the UK. But this was the previous time when I went back and surprised my parents. We've got some fabulous footage. Um, and so my brother is here at the table with his sister in law, my nephew and two nieces. And this was uh, part of my, so I'd gone back as a surprise. We all arranged to have lunch together. And this is just before we farewelled my brother and sister-in-law and youngest niece who were headed to Mozambique at the time. Wow. So um, wow. it, was, it was a pretty significant time for us all to be together. And I might tell a little bit more of that story. No problem. Yeah. Um, what I love about you is you are a single girl dominating life. So thanks for being ha. with us. Okay, Olive Fibri, I feel like you need no introduction. Um, you have been in our church for a very long time. They tell me that you have the loudest laugh in the whole of Hillsong Church. True. <laughs> and that if you walk into church, you can find out where Olive is just by listening for the laughter. That's very true. Um, you are a mental health nurse. I am. Wow, that's very mm. impressive. And um, you migrated to Australia as a teenager. Yes. You were a swimming sensation from Fiji. Yeah. Is that true? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You make a mean sticky date pudding and fudge cake. Yes. Yes. Um, you have worked with men in drug addiction, yes. with PTSD for the last 20 years and helped yes. countless lives. Mm -hmm. And you got radically saved along with your husband mm, now yes. in the early years of Hillsong Church 30 yes. years ago. Very mm. true. I was born in the most beautiful islands in the world, Fiji. Yes. Hello to all my beautiful girlfriends mm. in the room from Fiji. I love you and I miss you. <laughs> and I just want to say that um, I was... We were taken to church as children mm -hmm. and um, my mother always reminded me, I always knew Jesus. There were just times in my life when I chose to turn my back on him. Mm. But when we came to the hills and moved to Glen Haven, yes, we were seized by the power of a great affection. And I had this incredible neighbour, Miffy, who was one of those happy, clappy, born-again Christians. Oh, right. <laughs> she was amazing and I thank Jesus for her every day. And our lives changed radically. I've spent most of my life caring for people. And it's such an honour and such a privilege. And I have to say, the decades in this house have and God's word have transformed me radically. I mm. give him all the glory, all mm. the honour and all the praise today because it has been an interesting journey. Yep. <laughs> wild times, I was married to them, a wild man, a beautiful man, the most amazing man on the planet. And I have three incredible children. I have one daughter in heaven and I have two beautiful grandchildren. So, you know, my cup overflows. Yep. Mm, and, um, and there is a photo of your family. Yes, that's part of my tribe after my darling husband died and we can still see him in the background. I love that. Uh, and we're all loud. We actually have to like sometimes <laughs> when we're together go, excuse me, can I speak? <laughs> okay, so that's Olive's family. And yes. then, okay, drum roll, please, girls. Be 
because this morning, for the first time ever, we have our very first male on the Woo! table. Um, one of my favourites, um, Mr. David Bagheri, who is the COO, uh, no, the co CEO of IO. It's just right, there's a lot of letters there. <laughs> so, okay, girls, what that actually means is that Joel Houston and Dave are partnering together on a new venture from Hillsong Church, which is all about taking the inside heart of our church to the outside world. Yep. Is that true? I think wow. that's well put, Cass. Okay, thank well you. Well done. I might borrow that. And um, we've started working closely together, so it is actually my joy to have you here. You have been part of our church since wildlife days. Yes. Early on. Um, every time I talk to anybody about you, they have crazy stories about the escapades that you got up to. Okay. Okay. When I asked some of your friends for fun facts, they told me a story about Billy. Right. Do you know who Billy is? <laughs> Unfortunately, I do, Cass. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Billy, Dave? Billy is a sheep that we bought uh, when I was single and I didn't want to do the lawn mowing. <clears throat> I lived with uh, a guy named Dan Purdy-Smith and a couple other guys and basically he had a huge backyard. So we thought rather than cut the grass, we would get a sheep and the sheep would do the work for us. Unfortunately, and I probably can't tell the whole story, the story didn't end well. Billy, rest in peace, only survived about three weeks. Fantastic. So okay. we, were, we were not good carers, Cass. Oh, Dave, I don't want to hear that. Okay. Dan Purdy-Smith's um, on the chat, actually. He could probably verify He's verifying this. that. <laughs> okay, the other thing that I know about you is you are a diehard Sydney Roosters fan. That's true, Cass. Right. And you are married? I am married. Uh, do you want to introduce us to your family? Yep. Uh, uh, there's a photo. So that's my wife, Isabel, beautiful Isabel. She's, I think, in the city at Waterloo this morning. I love that. Hi, Isabel. Uh, hi, Isabel. <laughs> um, then I've got three kids. Jet, who's eight years old, Stella, who's on the right on my lap in that photo, six, and Ruby's four. I love that. Aww. Okay, and we're going to talk to these guys a little bit more as we go about this morning. Um, if you're Australian this morning, and if you're not, then in the chat, we're just going to let you know that this week in our nation is actually National Reconciliation Week, mm. which is a time where we stop as a nation to um, remember our First Nations people and our shared friendship, our shared cultures and pretty much our achievements and experiences. And, and we stop to remember how we can actually partner together to see Australia reconciled, to mm. become the nation that we dream it could be. Mm. And, you know, to be honest, I love that there would be a week like this in our national history where we stop and we take time to remember the power of reconciliation. Mm. Because as Christians, <clears throat> the Bible was very clear that we had been given the ministry of reconciliation. Mm that it is something that God holds dear to his heart. Mm. And what I love about that is that um, the Bible kind of encourages us that we would see each other, like really see each other, that in our diversity we would appreciate our differences and yet we would pursue unity together as the people of God. And so I think it's really timely that we would be sitting here around this table on Reconciliation Week and um, that we would commit to seeing each other this morning. Yeah. I had on my heart to share today a passage out of John 4. It's about the Samaritan woman at the well. And Bobby asked us, as we shared around the table, if we would bring our one thing, one thing that we would like you to know. And so my one thing this morning that I would like you to know, 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 like, like it's so important to me, is this, that God sees you. Amen. And that by the end of this morning, you would be able to walk out of the rooms or the chats saying, 
God sees me, that this would be personal for you, that it wouldn't be for the girl next to you mm. or that baby that you're holding in your mm -hmm. arms, that it wouldn't be the pastor sitting mm. on the front row at your campus mm. or the person beside you or the one who served you coffee this morning, but that somehow this morning that you would have, be, have confidence to know that God sees you. Yeah. And so I want to draw your attention to a passage from John 4. And if you have your Bible, why don't you open it? And if you don't, then I would like to direct you to YouVersion. And you can download a Bible app if you don't actually own a Bible and you can look at it. I'm going to read you a little bit of the story that I hope is a real familiar one for you. And then I'm going to point a few things out and then we're going to have a conversation around it. So here's where we're going to start. In verse 6, it says, Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to Joseph. There was a well and Jesus was tired from his journey and he sat down by the well and it was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our fathers, Jacob, who gave us this well? And then he goes on to say, Jesus answered, but Everyone who drinks of this water here will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give them, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them springs up to eternal life. When the woman said that, she said, Sir, give me this water that I won't be thirsty again and having to keep coming back here to draw from water. And he said, Go find your husband, woman, and come back. And she says, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man that you currently have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true, she said. Sir, said the woman, I can see that you are a great prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when we will worship in spirit and in truth. I think I'm going to leave the story there just for now. But what I love is that here is a story about the God-man who actually comes to a place in Samaria where he is thirsty. He is in need of something. God actually makes himself in need. And he comes and he talks to this woman at the well in Samaria and he makes himself vulnerable and he begins a conversation with her. He asks her for something, a drink. And I love that because all of a sudden he is finding a way to engage with a woman in a conversation that matters. Mm -hmm. Now, what we know from this story, and Tracy might debate me on it, but what we know from this story is that it is lunchtime and this woman finds herself at a well. And she is probably there because either she is embarrassed to be seen with the community or the community are embarrassed to be seen with her. I guess there's another option that maybe her kids are busy at home and she's come out at lunchtime, but the Bible doesn't necessarily lead us to think that right now. But Jesus asks her for a drink and her response tells us how shocked she is. She doesn't even address Jesus with a title, which would have been unknown at the day. But she says to Jesus, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? What's happening here, and this is what I want you to hear, girls, today, is that Jesus is jumping over some very mm. high walls and barriers in society and showing us the lengths that God will go to to actually win your heart and find you. 
The seeking God is seeking worshippers is what this passage tells us. He is always on the lookout and he is prepared to go to whatever length he needs to in order to find us. And so I wanna talk through three barriers that Jesus is breaking through in this passage that I think are really pertinent to us today. And I hope that they will give you some encouragement in the type of God that finds us. Mm. So the first thing that Jesus does is he breaks through a barrier of racial and ethnic laws. Mm. So here we find this woman and she is stunned that a Jew would ask her a Samaritan for a drink. And you need to understand that in that question, there is a whole history that we enter into. You see, there had been great hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans for 500 years. And there was actually a saying amongst the Jews that said, let no man eat bread from a Samaritan because when he eats bread from a Samaritan, it is like one who eats swine flesh. Now, I don't know what you know about Jewish custom, but if Jews eat from um, pigs, they're seen to be unclean. And what the law was saying that if you touch anything that a Samaritan offers you, then you become unclean. Well, if you think about what we know about COVID, right? We've all been in these places where you don't touch other people's cups, you you don't touch your face. We've been so conscious of things being spread by touch. And Jesus, in order to drink from the well, has to actually avail himself of the cup that the Samaritan woman is holding. He's gonna have to put his lips on a cup that she has given him. Jesus is gonna become unclean. And so right here, right now, we find Jesus jumping over the highest racial wall that was known to that time in history. And He is breaking down that. So He is reaching across racial lines in order to minister to this woman. The next barrier that He overcomes, which I love, is gender. So Jesus says, the woman says, how do you, a Jew, ask me a woman for a drink? You know, in the days that Jesus was in, there was... um, there were roles and Jesus right here was breaking one of them in public. A Jewish male should never ever speak to a woman in public, especially a rabbi. A woman was told that she should not be alone with a man and a man was told he should never be alone with a woman. In fact, um, there was all sorts of laws that rabbis and Jews adhered to. There was one that said um, a man may not even talk to his own wife in the street. And in fact, there was a Jewish prayer that I'm sure that you know of where men would pray, God, I thank you that you didn't make me a Gentile, a sinner, a tax collector or a woman. And so here we find Jesus on the wall of a well talking to a woman in broad daylight, alone in public, engaging in conversation. And He doesn't seem to be uncomfortable with that. But when His disciples return, they are shocked to find Jesus talking to her. They actually don't really understand what he is doing, but she, I believe for the first time ever, felt more human than she had in a long time. The way that Jesus was reaching across that gender divide was esteeming. In fact, there is um, a New Testament scholar and he says, the unprecedented happenings in history at that time account for Jesus knowingly overturning customs. He allowed women to come in and follow him as disciples, Mm. and He turned everything upside down. Mm. Um, This woman being thirsty and Jesus offering her a drink of living water was really seen by Him. And then He breaks through the final barrier. And the final barrier, I think, is morality. Because He says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. And then she says to Him, you've spoken truthfully. So Jesus obviously told the truth. You've had five. Now, I'm not sure why she had had five husbands. Um, Trace and I were talking the other night and said, 
the laws around divorce were quite fickle when it came to um, men being able to divorce their wives. She could have found herself in really unfortunate situations. And I don't really want to make judgments about that woman. But what I do know that Jesus is doing here is actually giving her the ability to stop living in denial, to actually acknowledge the truth of where she finds herself. And then he wants to come and minister to that deepest place in her heart. He's not afraid to touch the hidden places in us. He's not trying to shame her, but he wants to heal her. He wants her to tell him the truth about where she finds herself. And then he wants to actually enter into the situation and offer her life because he's not frightened by the situation she comes from. She, he is conscious of her sin, her inadequacy and her need for him. And then he meets her need with the deepest parts of himself. You know, the Bible tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so what I wanna tell you this morning, girls, and what I wanna remind you is regardless of your race, your ethnicity, your gender or your morality, that there is a God who we serve, who is reaching across all the divides mm -hmm. to actually come into your world. And He sees you and He sees me and He extends to us the same invitations that He did to her. Living water, eternal life and a relationship with Him. And so I feel pretty excited this morning that we get to open up here and talk about our own experiences of Jesus jumping over barriers to reach us mm -hmm. and the type of God that we serve that sees us. Mm -hmm. So Trace, I'm going to start with you. Mm. Um, a little while ago, I rang you about this passage and you went, I've had my own experience with the Samaritan woman at the well. So you actually in our community represent a kick butt, sassy, single woman who's actually chosen to live life to the full. Mm. You have found God reach into your circumstances that may not be your dream circumstances and He's seen you. Mm. So I wonder if you would tell a little bit about your story and what that feels like. Mm, thank you, Cass, very much. Um, my st I'm going to start a little way back. Um, I do appreciate the Samaritan woman and, and she meant a lot to me. Um, I read, I think it was Max Lucado wrote about her, a book I read about 19 years ago. And uh, my, my takeaway at that point was when she actually goes back to her community, so a bit beyond what you just um, read. And she, she basically says, let me tell you about a man who knows everything about me, dot, 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 and yet he still loves me. And that was my moment with Jesus about 19 years ago. Um, she's come to mean a lot more to me now. I think she's actually a kick butt theological boss girl who goes and makes disciples. Um, I think it's incredible that she has as you said, a conversation with Jesus. She pretty much has a theological conversation with Jesus. You know, she knows a, a little bit. She knows about whether Jews and Samaritans should be worshipping on a mountain or not. She knows he's a prophet. She knows he's a Messiah. So I take a lot from that now, um, thinking, yeah, I can, I can get into some theological conversations as well. And I can wrestle with Jesus on that too. Right. And I can have my encounter with Jesus. And then I can go away and I can make disciples as we do in Hillsong College. But the important thing is I don't just tell them what to believe about him, is that I get the students to a place where they can have their own encounter with him and then testify to him. But, but 19 years ago, um, I was, as you said, I was a backpacker. 
<laughs> on the other side of the world, I'm British by birth, Australian by choice. And the, the picture I put up before of, of the, 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 the Barrel family gathering, and I said, you know, we were about to send my brother off to Mozambique, and he's a kick-butt, smart, intelligent guy. And right. what I remember about him growing up, he's my older brother, is that he very, at a very early age, he had a revelation of Jesus. He became a Christian. He got into his little Bible studies and I'm looking on as this sassy kid sister going, oh yeah, uh -huh. And I, I, I kind of early on didn't really get what he got. And then fast forward a little bit more and he really gets it and he's off to church camps and, and I'm so, so grateful for my Christian heritage and I'm um, definitely not dismissing him and I have all respect for him and he's smart and he's intelligent and he, he went on and did uh, legal studies, he went to law school. <laughs> then he's the kind of big brother you don't want, the right? kind of big brother <laughs> who's got an amazing relationship with Jesus, plus he has a real sense of the call of God on his life, um, always knows that he's somehow called to missions and that that's somehow going to work with his legal training and so he's going to go overseas and do advocacy work, which he does to this day. Right. Amazing, amazing guy. And here's me going, oh, I don't quite get it. And then in my teens, I, I become a Christian, I become a believer, but it doesn't quite, just doesn't quite gel for me. And then when I was 16, I, oh, here we go. I um, got sick. I was sick for about two or three years, That's 16, 17, 18, 19. I got a post-viral um, condition. And these were pretty important years, right? Yeah. And um, so I find myself not doing great at school. Um, these, this is a time when you need to get the right kind of grades to get to uni. And that pathway just didn't open up for me. And so I went in other directions and I pretty much spent most of my 20s as, as a disappointed believer. I believe in Jesus. I just don't quite get it. And it's not quite slotting into place for me. I kind of feel like an awkward Christian. And so pretty purposeless. At 29, facing my 30th birthday, I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what most British kids do, actually, when they're 18. And I'm going to go backpacking now. And I kind of secretly just hoped that this would, this would be it. Somehow things with me and God would slot into place. Right. And praise God, early on in my trip, I... First found myself in New Zealand, pitched up at what was then Christian Life Centre in Auckland, now Life Church, with whom we have a lovely relationship um, and had a radical encounter with God. Um, a couple of weeks later, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit in Auckland Town Hall and everything changes. And I don't think it is a coincidence that it actually happened on the other side of the world where friends and family desperately wanted this breakthrough for me but they didn't see it. God saw me and we did business. And fast forward a few weeks, a couple of months later, and I'm, as we said before, in the welcome lounge at Hillsong Church, having thought I'll never go to that church because that's not the kind of church I'm going to fit in. I'm this awkward <laughs> British girl. Uh, this is not going to be a fit. Um, and anyway, I did go and they were advertising a, a women's conference called Colour Conference, <laughs> of course. which I signed up for and went to in 2001. So I was in the marquee with the dodgy slopey floor. Uh, good. Yeah. Yep. Yes, uh, we remember. <laughs> doing hula hoops uh, or hula hooping with, I think her name was Lisa. Anyway, um, something quite incredible happened in worship one night. 
and um, I, I, saw a, I saw a picture and I don't usually do pictures. Uh, God speaks to me in words, I'm a words person. And so very, very rarely will I see a picture or a vision or have a dream, but I just saw a picture and it was of basically a snapshot of my entire life. And then I saw, and this is gonna sound gory, but it wasn't. I just saw blood coming down from top to bottom. And in that moment, I realized he's seen it all and he's covered it all. Mm. And to this day, I know he loves me. Mm. I know he found me and his grace will never fail me. And look, I had some business to do with him after that. It wasn't as if everything was rosy in the garden. And um, for a few years, I um, wrestled with God. I went through counselling. I needed to work on the fact that I was really disappointed about some things. Disappointed about my health, disappointed about my educational journey. Just deep, deep disappointment. And and that's the business that I had to do with God. And, And I feel like her story... Um, speaks to my disappointment and has spoken to my disappointment. And as I've wrestled with him, I have seen the God who sees me as well. Yeah. I love that so much. And I love that you said um, that he saw everything about you and he covered it because I think that's what he was doing with the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So, Dave, thanks for sharing, Trace. Um, Dave, the other week I was sitting in your office over the Norwest Lake. We were looking out over the um, water and you let it slip. Like just a little comment as we're about to prepare for a meeting about the lengths that the Lord went to save your family. And so I don't know if maybe you wanted to share that story a little bit with the girls, but I was sure hoping you would. Absolutely. No, happy to. I mean, thanks for having me here. I I do feel like a fish out of water, but it's a massive (laughs) honour to be be here. I think, you know, when I, when I listened to that story about the Samaritan woman and God saw exactly where she was mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I think for my own life, um, <clears throat> I've been very aware that God's plucked me and my family out of a very difficult environment. And, you know, the fact that we're even here in Australia is a miracle. And mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of things that could look like coincidences that actually came together uh, for our family to be where we are. So. The story, the story essentially is that I, grew, I, I was born in Iran in a time where uh, Iran was at war with Iraq. And I was born in 1985. The war was from 1980 to 88. Mm. <clears throat> the context of the country at the time was we, we had a monarchy for thousands of years and there was a, a, a violent Islamic revolution in 1979. Mm. So the country was thrown upside down. And for my family, uh, my dad's side of the family were, his three older brothers were in the Shah's army, in the, in the King's army, you know, so all three of them went to war, all three of them survived, but came back uh, damaged, you know, there were, yeah. one of them got chemically gassed and died a few years later. Another one had an arm, his arm shot. And the other one was one of only a few, like I think 10 out of a thousand of people that survived in his battalion. So it was a horrific sort of war. And it really, uh, it was a time in the country where I think a lot of people started to get disillusioned with faith and with religion. Islam was used as a tool to, to um, you know, to essentially uh, take the country down an agenda and it really had a damaging effect. So my parents decided uh, I was two years old just to get out of there. And they jumped 
on a bus one night in the middle of the night and illegally escaped into Turkey mm. and wow. turned their back on their family. My mum as well came from a, a really uh, prominent family in, in, in the city of Shiraz and she had to essentially get up and leave that. Um, there's, there's a bunch of personal situations within that, but essentially in Turkey, my parents, my dad uh, meets an Iranian man in the street and there, there was, you know, we had nothing. They just had their bags. My brother, who's older than me and myself, I was two, he was three, we were quite vulnerable. Mm. And because we were there illegally, it was difficult for him to get work. Right. Uh, so he, he had to do cash jobs at restaurants and things like that to make ends meet. I remember we were living in the basement of a house, all four of us sleeping on one mattress. Uh, we didn't have running water. We would have to walk down the street to get water. And, you know, that, that was sort of uh, what I, the, the circumstance that I was brought into. And even though it sounds horrific, we were actually really happy. Uh, we, had, we had each other. And um, a little while into that journey into Turkey, my dad meets an Iranian man in the street who is a Christian, which if you understand... Um, is a rare is a rare thing. It's Absolutely. not a common thing. Mm-hmm. So he invites my dad to a church. Dad politely says, "Yeah, okay, I'll come." He then doesn't show up. It was he was just being polite. So dad's in another city trying to sort out paperwork and things like that the following week and bumps into this same man. Oh, oh wow! And this man said, "I waited for you. You said you'd come and you didn't come." So he thought it mustn't be a coincidence. So he went to church with this man, and it was an international church in Istanbul, and. Dad walked in and just had a radical encounter with Jesus, like was blown away by the atmosphere. And uh, long story short, there was a Australian missionary family in that church and they they helped our family. They were connected to a a Baptist church in Sydney, uh, in north of Sydney, and they uh, sponsored our family. And it was a three-year journey for us to essentially come to Australia. Um, And there was a lot of lobbying of government and we were... Um, in a country without paperwork. So it was difficult to get us there. So this church went over and above for our family to get us to come to Australia. So we arrived when I'm five years old in Sydney at the airport. There's 20 people from the church there with, you know, waiting for us at the airport. They'd been having prayer meetings for our family and just like put in an effort to try and get us to to come to Australia. Mm -hmm. So I share that uh, because it's a bit of context. My, My mum got saved not long after my dad. I think she thought, what's happened to my husband, he, he's right. gone crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and a few weeks later went to check it out for herself and she uh, you know, read the words of Jesus in the New Testament and she had her own experience and salvation. So that, I, I yeah. love that your story has um, a twofold element that you're actually seen by God, but that the people of God see your family yeah. and do something really mm-hmm. tangible to actually yeah. bring you here. Yeah. But that's beautiful. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, Cass, for me growing up, um, that that was a significant life-changing event. I think about my life. I've got kids now, my wife. Yep. We, Our life is fundamentally different because of that intervention of God and God's people. Right. You know, so for me, I, I did grow up in the church. Um, my, my parents became pastors of an Iranian church in Sydney. Um, they had We had difficulties. My parents ended up splitting up when I was 18 years old, which was really devastating yeah. for us to have gone through such a journey as a family and then for, for the right. family to be broken up. But I I think when I was a teenager, I sort of lost my way and uh, took for granted what had actually happened to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at 16 years older, I I just had enough and I had, I had an encounter with God for myself where I realised actually I need to get myself sorted out. I've been given an amazing gift 
and I've got to do something with it. And I walked into wildlife one night by myself. There was kids in my school uh, who, who were at wildlife. I wasn't friends with them. So I walked in there. They thought I was there to cause trouble because I, <laughs> I wasn't really a good kid. Understandably. <laughs> uh, I won't go into the details, but I wasn't one of the better kids in the school. And uh, I just made a decision inside myself that God had pulled our family out of a difficult situation and had been there and there was miracles along that whole story. Mm. And I've got a responsibility to do something with that. So that, that's shaped and driven me. And I suppose the love I have for church and what the church can do through its people yeah. has come from that life story for me. So, so you know, 20 years, 20 plus years in Hillsong Church and wanting to actually now pass that on to other people. I've expressed that in different ways in right. community work or in business and, mm. and now back back in church. Um, I see it as all the same <laughs> thing. It's that. all it's all mission yeah. and wanting to have an impact. And I, I think I've been given an amazing gift. I've got to do something with it. And I feel like that's all of our story, right? Yes. Like regardless of where we find ourselves, what season Definitely. we're in, that's what God requires of us. When yeah. We've been seen to go and see others. Come and see yes. a man that told yes. me everything about myself. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Olive, I want to take a little bit of a different tact with you. Yes. So... Um, like you've been in a, a pillar in our house for over like, many decades. I can remember coming here and encountering Olive Fibri and you are like actually an incredible woman, faithful to the core. You're always up for praying and prophesying over people. You have faith for people when they don't have it for themselves. Love you that. and Mal built 180TC from mm -hmm. the ground up and you have constantly championed people. And I love that because your ministry life is one of those ones that you look up and it's like the glossy magazine thing. But I'm not sure that life always plays fair. Mm. And I think the last mm. decade of your life with Mal was quite traumatic mm. and it was one engulfed in sickness and it was maybe not what you imagine your retirement would look like. And you find yourself now as a, um, I hate to use this word, but as a widower. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the dreams that you had for life probably look very different to what they look like. Mm. And so if ever there was a time that I feel like somebody needs to be seen by God, it's probably now. So yes. I wonder if you would give us a little bit of a backstage pass to what the last couple of years have looked like for you since Mal's passed away. Yes, okay, because during that 10-year season, I, we were seen by God through mm -hmm. every day, through every challenge. He had a liver transplant. Mm -hmm. Then a kidney transplant. Yep. We were a perfect match. God organised for me to be the living organ donor. Wow, what a privilege. He had my heart for 40 years and then I could give him my left kidney. Mm -hmm. And no, you know, I'm full of faith. I'm positive, you know. Yep. Malcolm dying, you know, that was just not part of what I believed God's plan was for us. Mm -hmm. So on the 17th of July, 2018, my life changed, changed forever. And um, has it been lonely? Yes. Do you know what? Because we were together. We yeah. worked together. We lived and breathed together. Church life, everything we did was together. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, and I'm loud and I'm outgoing. I can <laughs> yes. be quiet, but I can be quiet. Uh -huh. And um, God took me back to Fiji for my aunt's funeral the same year Mel died. And when I got there, I thought, Oh my goodness, I'm home. Wow. I'm home. I'm surrounded by people who love me. And I have 52 first cousins on my mother's side. <laughs> and that is a lot of family. I was so excited when one of my girlfriends, Vela, said, There's Hillsong Suva. And I was like, What? <laughs> Jesus, you've just gone before me again. 
and I thought, and it was live stream, and look, I cried. I felt like I was in a fog for two years because Mal died on the Tuesday. The following week went, went out for Alicia's birthday and two of my beautiful, three of my sisters had come down to be with me. And um, the church was so amazing. I love Bobby and Brian and my church family. All of you guys just like loved on me. And I thought, how am I going to do life without my Mal, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and um, so we went and celebrated Alicia's birthday. And on our way home, my sister had a massive coronary occlusion. And I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm doing CPR on her in the back seat, screaming like a crazy woman. And I thought, okay, the word says that he never gives you more than you can cope with. And I'm thinking, okay, but one of my defence mechanisms all my life has been strength. You have to be strong, Olive, you know, rise up. And so when I went home, I felt like I could collapse. My girlfriend of 60 years, she <laughs> said, come and live with me. She was living alone. In you know? Fiji. Yeah. <laughs> so I came back to Australia. I said to my children, I'm going back home. They're like, hello, this is your home. I went, no, God had, mm. he went before me. He saw me. Mm, he took right. me on this journey where I met my family. It says in Hebrews 12 too, not forgetting my scriptures. <laughs> 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 because you know what? It's through the meditating on the word each day, praying and being in his presence, which has changed my thinking, which has changed my behaviour. Right. Surrounded by people who have mental health issues and addiction, mm. you cannot go into work frustrated, ticked off with your husband. You have to be the living example, right. right, you know. And so in Fiji, I felt like Father God just wrapped his arms around me and he said, I've got you. I'm here with you. And I was so shocked at actually my journey there, what I imparted to people you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, in the evenings is when you think, oh, my gosh, Malcolm, where are you? I just want to have a conversation. Um, it's 42 years is two-thirds of my life, you know. Yeah. But there is hope and God sees us and He never leaves us. Mm. Father God is so amazing. I love the 23rd Psalm. Because he's with us when we're on the mountaintop yeah. and when we're going through the valley. You know, my friends were dying, nurses I'd worked with, and I'm just so thankful for every day that I wake up. I have an attitude of thankfulness, gratefulness. Thank you, Jesus. You're right there with me. The Holy Spirit empowers me. Right. And, you know, but there are days where I could lock myself in my house and just not answer the door, not answer the phone and excuse me, please don't speak to me and ask me how I am. Because you know what? My heart's broken. Yeah. I would go shopping at night. Thank you, Jesus, for late night shopping. Because you didn't want to encounter people with the question, how are you? Right. You know, mm. um, but, but you have to take a breath and pause and go, okay, I can do this. I have the most incredible children. I have the most <laughs> amazing girlfriends. You know, I just have to say my Connect Group girls, um, I love when you're still that Father God actually speaks to you. I just love being in His presence. Do you know what I love about you is that when we talked about this moment, you said to me, um, and it really impacted me, you said, um, I know because God hasn't taken me yet that there yes. is more for me to do. There is more for me. He's a God of detail. Right. 
And I remember one day when I was feeling overwhelmed. Actually, I get overwhelmed by his love for me. It just totally, some days I go, wow, you know, you are so loving and kind and merciful Mm. to me. And sometimes I'm so bad, I don't deserve this, you know. But God has got more for me. I want to encourage women who are widows, who are single, who are divorced. Father God sees you. Mm. He sees you. He's there with you. I wholeheartedly believe that scripture, he's closer than a friend. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is our counsellor. Mm. He is constantly with us. You know what? And my favourite statement to my patients and my girlfriends is we have to learn to regulate our emotions. I love that. Mm. And you know what? We can't do life each day based on how we feel yeah. because we would be in a chaotic mess. That is true. Well and I love that we can grab a scripture yeah. and Actually, meditating on the Word and actually believing the Scriptures and seeing them come to life. Yes. I've seen that in my over my 66 years of life. And I love that. And I love that we all get to testify to a God who is very present and who yes. sees us. Mm-hmm. Truth is, guys, we are absolutely out of time. We <laughs> use all of our time <laughs> and more. <laughs> How that is even possible. Yeah. And so, girls... I hope you have been encouraged by the richness that has been shared around the table today. People's real life stories of encountering God. And you know, this morning, I want to extend to you the same invitation that has been extended to all of us. That if you are sitting in the room or you are online today and you are yet to encounter the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, then I want to tell you that today He sees you Mm -hmm. and He's seeking you like He has sought us Mm -hmm. and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I think that that plan at its core is that you would know Him Mm. and that you would live in relationship with Him. The Bible makes it clear that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. And so this morning in the room, the girls are going to pray for you if you want to receive Jesus and they're going to help you to actually navigate how to end up in relationship with Him, which is one of the most exciting things that you can ever do. And I hope that this conversation this morning has actually given you some tools to go away and have some questions together in your small groups. Um, I hope whether you're online or in room, that you would tell us your story of when you felt most seen by Jesus, whether that is your testimony of how you got saved or whether like Olive, it's a current story about how Jesus sees you in the now. So why don't you go get into small groups and share that. And then maybe can I encourage you to share the name of somebody who you are believing will come and see this Jesus that you love so much. And so thanks for being with us today. We love you a lot. We are praying for you, Pastor Bobby, if you're watching, and we will see you all at Sisterhood again at the Friendship Table next week. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.